Hey there, and welcome to the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Each week, we'll lean in and learn together what it means to live it well. Yeah, and you're going to hear from some amazing inspirational leaders, mentors, and friends that have impacted our life on a personal level. Leaders like John Eldridge. You've got to know your story. What was it I once dreamed of? Suzanne Stabile. Once we can accept our difference, we can find what we hold in common. And Aaron Nequist. We want to be a community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns how to rearrange our lives to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started. So, guys, today we have a exciting episode. As a kid, one of the very first worship songs that I remember learning and loving and being moved by was called God Will Make a Way. Do you remember that song? <laughs> I don't remember that song. <laughs> Kristen Grove Church. a little different childhood. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But today we had the incredible honor of having the writer of that song, Mr. Don Moen. Guys, this conversation was, I would say, a surprise for us. We didn't know really what to expect. But man, when we got done, it literally was life-changing. For sure. Yeah, he just blew us away with his, he's just an incredible man. His humility, his authenticity, that is something you will hear over and over that he talks about as a music executive working at Integrity Music for years and years, that was the thing he looked for in an artist, authenticity. And you'll hear it in his story and in his life. The words that he's speaking, the message he's bringing is not just words. It's a message that he has lived out in his actual life. And you can tell. You can tell the difference. It's just incredible. And we had such a fun time with him. Yeah, the thing that's amazing is the life that he's lived could leave him in a place where maybe he's not so humble. Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> right, right, he's every reason to Yeah, he's like, well, him. you know, I've only sold 5 million records. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I discovered this little guy named Israel Hooten and yeah. Darlene Check and Hillsong. But at the end of the day, like, he doesn't lift that up. He celebrates that he got to be a part of their story, mm-hmm. and that's a part of his story. And I'm so glad that he got to share his story with our audience, and I loved this conversation. Me too. Maybe one of my favorites. It was mm. really, really good, yeah. and I, I can't stop thinking about so many of the things he shared. Um, so we cannot wait for you guys to hear it. And we have a little treat for nice you. Nice little surprise yes. baked in. <laughs> we have some really talented friends, guys. And sure. they happen to live down the street. So we mm-hmm. asked our good friend, Austin Benjamin, to join us for this episode. And since the theme is authenticity, we asked him to do a version of God Will Make a Way that's just raw guitar and vocal. And man, I don't use the word anointed a lot, but mm. I mean, seriously, it was incredible so i'm so excited for you guys well it was either me or austin (laughs) there's a toss-up but we gave it to austin austin won austin definitely won you're welcome guys yes so you'll find pieces of that mixed throughout the episode little pieces of it and then if you want to hear the full version we'll post that in a separate episode as well so you'll just be able to have that I've been listening to it on repeat, for sure. Our three-year-old knows it now. Yeah, every you will have the song stuck in your head all week. You're welcome. But It was an amazing episode. Get ready. Here's Don. All right. Well, Don, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Great to be with you guys today. 
Well, we just want to start off by saying a huge thank you for who you are and what you do and the, just the incredible work you've done in the world. You've just done such a great job at being faithful to what God's called you to do and leading the way for others to do that. So thank you so much for all you've done. I, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be uh, involved in, in building the kingdom any way that I can. So cool. So well, before good. we jump in, we got to hear a little bit about what's going on in your world and a little bit about you before we jumped into the interview. Will you take a second and just tell us who you are, like what you do, and a little bit about your life, family, grandkids, that whole thing? Sure. I am uh, really a songwriter and a worship leader. Um, I've been a music executive for many, many years. I'm a father of five children, husband of one wife. Uh, Laura and I have been married for 45 years. Nice. And... Uh, and now I have uh, five grandchildren and two more on the way. So, uh, and and I'm I'm busier than ever before. I'm still traveling all over the world, and I'm 68 years old. So just getting started. Not, You're just getting started. <laughs> when I was when I was as young as you guys, I was thinking, oh, my 60s would be ah, oh, I can just see it now: golf courses and fishing trips, and it's just nowhere close to that. I mean. <laughs> I was busy all my life. I was the president of Integrity Music, mm-hmm. so plus being an artist as well. So I was always busy, and I just thought one day it's going to kind of just slow down a little bit, and I'm just going to uh, sit on the front porch and oh yeah, watch the sun go down. But it it ain't happened, you know. So I'm I'm just busier than ever, and I just think uh, God is got more for me to do. He always has more for us to do. So right. I don't think retirement is in the Lord's vocabulary. Uh, as long as we have a pulse, we have a purpose. So That's good. I love that. That's so good. Well, you know, you have done some unbelievable things in your life. And as I've kind of done some research and, you know, we've known about you for years and followed you and heard your music, but you've had these crazy different seasons along the way. You're traveling internationally for 15 years. You're the president of Integrity Music. And, you know, you, you've helped write some incredible songs that have impacted millions of people's lives. You've launched careers of like <laughs> Hillsong United and Israel Hooten and Darling Check. Like, did you ever imagine that this was going to be your life? <laughs> no. No, I, I didn't. I mean, I'm sometimes I look at some of the things I've been able to do, and I'm really am amazed because you know, I was raised in a little town in north, northern Minnesota, where there are Norwegians, Swedes, and other fur-bearing animals. Um, <laughs> that's my background, and violin was my major instrument, and that's what I studied. And I always played in symphonies and operas and ballets, and and that's what I went to school to study. And I, I thought my life would be a little more subdued and and normal, but uh, I transferred into Oral Roberts University, and there I met a group called Living Sound and an evangelist named Terry Law. I joined that group as a guitar player and uh, trombone and violin. I was playing all three instruments and thought I would tour for a year, and 10 years later, uh, got off the bus, and that kind of set me on a course that I could have never picked for myself. I failed my speech class at ORU because I was too afraid to stand in front of 15 people and give a speech. And so the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing today um, <laughs> is, is amazing to me. And I like to tell people, if God can use me like that, he can use you like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm been very blessed and I never in a million years thought I would be doing what I've done. 
but I, I look back on it, I say, what a privilege, you know, what, a, what an honor to be involved in a movement and then being able to uh, be the music executive that, that identifies talent. I mean, I love that. That's the one thing I miss about not being the head of a label right now. That was always real special to me to be able to see something in someone, hear something in a song and just say, that's going to be a big song. Shout to the Lord. I heard it for the first time in 94 and I was in Australia. I met Darlene and um, Darlene Chick and I heard that song. She had just written it and I came back in 95, recorded a project called uh, Rivers of Joy. It was, you know, every 18 months they put me on the schedule to release a new CD and uh, the joke around the office was Don's CDs never are released. They escape because they're... <laughs> No marketing budget, hardly. And anyway, I said, I don't care what other song is on this record. I'm going to record Shout to the Lord because that's going to be a big song. And uh, those are the things I loved about uh, the, the music executive side of things. But uh, what a privilege to work with all those folks yeah. over the years. And I've got great relationships with, with all these folks still today. You know, That's amazing. Awesome. So let's talk about that more for a second, because being in integrity music for 20 years, you no doubt saw so many dreamers come across your door. So what are some of the things that you saw in some of the artists that succeeded versus the ones that just didn't make it? Were there character traits? What were some of the greatest things that you saw in the successful artists? Uh, authenticity. Now that's the I, I think that's the most important thing that I uh, looked for and what I saw in any successful artist because in that role across my desk every day would come uh, twenty demos of really talented people, really good singers. So my job was I, I became the person I didn't want to be like the music executive with a big cigar say okay you can sing you can dance but but what do you have you know. <laughs> uh, I never wanted to be that music executive, but uh, the truth is I had to ask that question. Okay, you're talented, you're beautiful, but does your music really move me? What do you really have? And the challenge these days is that a lot of great art can be created in a vacuum. You can sit in, the, in your bedroom or your little home studio and create a whole project, but the key to being an artist is when you get on that stage or when you get in front of a camera or get in front of a group of people, do you have anything to really say? What do you have to say or to share? And that's, that's really important. Some people want to jump that process and get on to selling a million records, but it comes by getting out in the road and refining your skills night after night after night and understanding that it's important to be able to communicate. So authenticity is probably the biggest word for me. When you sing your song to me, do I really believe it? Lincoln Brewster came down to the studio in Mobile, Alabama. That's where Integrity was. And he just came down. Uh, my friend had told me about him. He came down with his uh, acoustic guitar and sat in my office and played these songs. And I kind of go, oh, wow, okay, there's, I believe this kid. I missed on Carrie Job. Her and her dad came down, and, uh, <laughs> and Carrie, you know, I'm sure she loves to tell that story. Uh, <laughs> Don didn't sign me. We did later on when she was at in Dallas there, but but I, yeah, Darlene, I signed Hillsong, I signed Hillsong United, and Israel and Paul Balash and 
man, what a blessed place I was in. And that was my job. Every weekend I was out listening to somebody somewhere in some church. And, and that's what I would uh, gauge. It's like, do I really believe? Do I believe you? Authenticity is really, really big. So uh, I'd go with a uh, maybe not the most talented singer, maybe not the most handsome or beautiful artist, but somebody that got on stage and I, whatever they did, I just believed them. That's what I looked for. And I think that's what audiences look for today. Uh, they just, do I believe that guy? Do I believe that girl? And that to me is, uh, is really, really important. And sometimes you only get that by just doing what you do over and over and over and over and over kind of knocks off the rough edges. Oh, that's so good. I think that applies to any career too. I sure. think that's so true. Yeah, yeah you, you know, I just uh, I'm talking way too much here, but uh, no, uh, you're the guest uh, you're the on guest. our podcast. This is so your that's job. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> in, my, in my early years with uh, Living Sound, that group that I yeah. traveled with, I tell people that was boot camp and Bible school all in one. Mm. I mean, we we traveled on a bus, not a big tour bus, but a like a Greyhound bus, you know, and. Uh, uh, Truth did the same thing, you know, Roger Billen and Truth. That, those days, uh, that's like a, a furnace of affliction. It kind of burns all the stuff out of you. And if you can survive living with 20 people on the road <laughs> for an 18-month tour, sometimes people ask me, I want to do what you do. I said, well, first do a 1,000 concerts a year for 10 years. And after you do that, you end up not taking yourself so seriously. And for any young artist, I would, when they ask me, I'd say, take any opportunity you got, serve in your church, roll up the cords, be the librarian, do whatever you got to do. And if you get a chance to sing in front of six people or the seniors or the old folks home, go and do it because you're going to then discover that you really have something to share and something that, that moves people. And that, that's kind of artist development 101 right there. That's so huge. Yeah, and you I know the, the, the beauty of it today is that you could do a thousand performances a year and never leave your house, you know, and have an yep. audience of people who are now I think it's good to get out there and do the old folks home and serve in that capacity. But for a young artist, it's like it's never been easier That's to true. hone your craft and to build your skill set even at a younger age. The pay your dues thing is like it's wide open. You just have to have the work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and some artists, they get discouraged because I, I need a label to sign me. No, you don't. Uh, you can be your own label. And, you know, after I left Integrity Music for 20 years, I came to Nashville. I said I'd never live in Nashville. And both of you live there. But for, for 20 years, I worked or 30 years, I worked in and out of Nashville. And I it was always intimidating to me because uh, everybody had all the answers. And I was so intimidated by all of that. I said, I'll never live in Nashville. Well, 10 years ago, we moved here. But um, the method has changed so much in the last 10 years. And yes, people now, there isn't a formula. And when people, uh, young artists get discouraged and say, I don't have a label, nobody can sign me. I said, you've got every opportunity in the world, opportunities that I never had. Just look what you got in like God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand? You know, I have a rod. Okay, and throw it down. It became a serpent. Pick it up. That's the rod that delivered the children of Israel. Uh, he, you know, the little boy with his five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said to the disciples, 
what do you have? All we have is five loaves and two fishes. That Jesus took that and broke it and blessed it and fed 5,000 people with it. Uh, you can go on and on. So to, for young artists these days to say, what do you have in your hand? What has God given you already? Start using that. You know? That's so good. So you were with Integrity for 20 years, and then something started stirring in you, that there was something new coming. Can you tell us about that transition and kind of what was going on in that season? Well, you know, I had a really, 20 years as the um, president of the label, it, it gave me so many opportunities, and it was a real secure position. And I found myself, I found myself uh, hungry to get out of my comfort zone again. It was a, a strange thing, but you, you know, it's like you can just feel the Holy Spirit stirring up the nest and making me uncomfortable and almost calling me, Don, I have more for you to do. And yet I'm looking at what I'm doing and I say, look at the role that I have. Look at the, the wonderful job I have. It did not make any sense for me to, to step out of that. And yet I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying, I've got more for you to do. Trust me and get in the boat. And I didn't know how to get in the boat and uh, keep one foot on, on land. I, I just was like, I, I want to keep one foot in the, in the world that I knew because there was security there and with our five kids. You know, I had them in private school and all these things. But it, So it made no sense for me to step away from that. But I came to the point where I couldn't any longer just stay in my comfort zone. And I think kind of what prompted it was in about 2005, they asked me, I got a letter from somebody in Ghana. And, and the letter said, would you come and lead our nation in Thanksgiving for 50 years of independence? And I hardly had to pray about it. I thought, wow, what an honor. But I said I would do it. I accepted the invitation, and I went to uh, Ghana in March 2007. And uh, Israel Houghton and Israel and Newbreed was with me on that trip. And I had my band there. And as we got there for the sound check, there were about 60, over 60,000 people. And immediately when I went for the sound check, I knew something was wrong because I, I got to West Africa and I could feel, I felt like I was spiritually uncovered. You know, I walk out, of those days I was a busy executive and I would tour very little, but I'd walk out of a production meeting or out of a scheduling meeting and I'd get on an airplane and stand in front of 50 or 60, 70,000 people. And this particular trip, I realized that we were in trouble. I just knew it in my spirit and I told the band, call everybody you know and get them praying because um, we're uncovered spiritually. So we started praying. My guitar player uh, got electrocuted. He got knocked down on the stage during sound check. He couldn't let go of his guitar. He was like flopping around on the stage. We had to kick his guitar out of his hand and he just laid there. I thought he was dead. Uh, my bass player got deathly sick. It, it was just one thing after another. After that trip, my keyboard a guy had a heart attack, 42 years old. My guitar player had a heart attack, 42 years old. My drummer had a heart attack and flatlined on the table, but he, he, he lived. But it was like we were attacked, like all hell broke loose. And at that point, I knew I had to do something because this artist side of Don Moen had gotten a lot bigger than I intended it to get. And it's just like the Lord uh, got my attention and said, Don, 
I've given you a large platform and you had better pay attention to it. Mm. Uh, you can't any longer be the music executive and do all those things. If you're going to do what I've called you to do to the nations, then you need to have an army of people praying and you need to pay attention to this because it's, um, it's bigger than you. And so uh, that's what prompted, uh, that was March 2007, and I talked to uh, Mike Coleman, the owner of the company, and I just said, I need to make a change. And by December uh, 2007, I was gone. And, and I thought it was great. I thought it was, the, the Lord's going to lead me into some incredible things, and I just knew it. <laughs> felt, I even wrote a song. Uh, still I believe there is more. I believe there is more. I believe. I was full of faith. And then the paychecks stopped coming in. And then I looked at Laura. I said, what did I do? I, then I got really scared. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started writing songs like uh, one called Uncharted Territory. And it says, I find myself in uncharted territory. Never felt so lost. Never felt so lonely. Mm. Where are you, Lord? So it's like my, my whole songwriting went from I'm full of faith. God has more for me to do to what did I do, what and, did I do? <laughs> and where is God? But wow. all that to say, I know I was supposed to leave. Mm -hmm. and, and I just think God always has bigger things for us to do. And the only thing we can do to stop that is to say, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to be comfortable where I am. And many times that's where people get into trouble. They're at a job or at a church where they've been for years, they have this feeling in their spirit like it's time to move on, and yet it's too secure to move on. So they opt for security, and they miss the very thing that God wanted them to do. And that's sometime where they lose their vision, they lose their passion. Look what happened to King David. When the kings went out to war, David stayed home. And I just think God has called us as believers, to run to the battle. And uh, I think there should be a rule that after you turn 55 years old, you don't have to run to the battle anymore. You can, you can just relax and rest, and you don't have to have so much faith. It just comes easy. But I, I've not found that to be the case. I think God is always putting something bigger in front of you all the time. And I think that's what brings life. Uh, that's what will give us long life and let us be effective for a long time, too. Mm, that's so good. So what do you say to somebody who's like, I think this season's done, but I'm yeah. scared to death. Like, yeah. what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I would say to someone who is feeling that same unrest to step out and do something new. If you're married, make sure you check with your spouse before you quit your job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Solid so husbands, don't, don't, don't go telling your wife that Don Moen said to quit my job. But <laughs> I think if the Lord is stirring you up, you have got to pay attention to that. And I would encourage you to embrace that and be bold enough to step out and believe the Lord for something new. Here, here's, the, here's the deal. If you stay where you are because of security and you're, you know you're not supposed to be there and you're in a job that you hate, in three years' time— you're going to be three years older, and you're still going to be in a job that you hate. So why not trust the Lord and make the move? I've realized over all these years that there is only one person that will never let you down. There's only one total security, and that is the Lord. 
The Lord is faithful. He will provide. His word is true. Uh, your 401k is going to let you down. Your employer is going to let you down. Anything you put your trust in will let you down except the Lord. And that's what I've learned. And that's what I learned by stepping away from everything that was secure to me, everything that was sure. Uh, and I had a good job and I had wonderful people around me. But yet in my heart, I knew it was time to move. And I, I'm so thankful that I did. It was, uh, yeah, a few years of uh, scary times. Really, really scary. Sometimes I didn't think we'd survive another month. And I, I would say to Laura, if you look at our circumstances, I could be pretty depressed and discouraged right now. But yet I feel in my spirit, I feel hope rising up inside of me. I said, somebody somewhere is praying for me. I can just feel it. And uh, none of us would be here today without the prayers of somebody. Right. You're, you're doing what you're doing today because... Somebody prayed for you. Yeah. I mean, who knows what, you know, we, we could be dead, but yet a grandmother prayed, a grandfather, a mother, a father, a pastor, a brother, a sister, a friend. Somebody prayed. And uh, that's what I said during those darkest hours. I said to Laura, somebody is praying for me. I can feel it. I can feel hope rising in my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank God for the people that pray for us. Absolutely. So good. And may we be people yeah. who lift up others. Yeah. That's so yeah. motivating. So good. I have one question from a so you talked about how being on the road kind of refined your edges and burnt the edges off, right? Well, you were an artist and you stepped into the role to lead such a major organization. What was it that you learned from your season as the leader of this integrity, this organization that helped you as an artist as you step back into that new season? Oh, well, I, I think what goes back to that word authenticity made me understand the business. It's important to understand that, to be a good steward of what God has given you. I understand something about marketing. I understand something about production uh, and excellence in production. So those are all the things I, I did at Integrity. And when I went back into being the artist again, you know, I don't, I don't want to do anything that doesn't have excellence associated with it. That's good. Um, so I have a pretty high standard for myself, but I, I learned to do things with excellence. And uh, I think as, uh, as artists, anybody out there as an artist, uh, whether you're singing to 10 people or 10,000 people, do it with excellence. Um, do your ministry with excellence. Anything worth doing is worth doing it right, whether it's a radio show or a podcast or whatever you're doing. Just do it well. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so let's talk about God Will Make a Way. Um, tell us about this new project that you've done and what led you to write it. God Will Make a Way is, uh, pro is probably my most well-known song, and it was quite by accident uh, because I only wrote it for uh, my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law uh, when their little boy was killed in a car accident. So when that happened, you know, um, I, all the words that seemed to come to my mind, all the scriptures that I wanted to share with the family uh, fell short of what I really wanted to say to them. And that's not the time to say Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good, brother. Yeah. I know you just lost your son, but, you know, so it's like, what do I say? And I got on the airplane the next day and I was reading from Isaiah chapter 43. 
Verse says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, you will not drown. They will not over, overwhelm you. When you go through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then later on in the chapter, verse, verses 18 and 19, uh, Behold, I will do something new, and now it will spring forth. I'll even make a roadway in the wilderness and a river in the desert. And I sketched on the airplane on my legal pad, I wrote the words, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He'll make a way for me. And I, I just wrote the melody and the words on the airplane, and it came to me that fast, and I was going to sing it at the uh, funeral. And yet, I never did. Uh, they wanted me to sing a few other songs. And for Susan and Craig, privately, I held Craig and hugged him, and I said, God gave me a song to share with you guys today. And I sang the song for them. And I put it on a, a little recording that Susan could put in, above her sink, because I knew there would be days when she'd be doing the dishes and working in the kitchen, that all of this would overwhelm her. And uh, I said, when those days come, I want you to play this song. Mm. And, uh, wow. and so it was two or three years later that I was at one of our uh, devotionals at Integrity Music, a day, weekly devotional. And it's like the Holy Spirit brought this song back to my mind to sing to our staff. And I had to go through my papers. I'm looking through the files to remember the words. And I, I just said, I think the Lord wants me to share this song with someone today. And I sang, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And everybody came up to me and said, where did you get that song? We, <laughs> we think you should record it. And it's like everybody that day needed to hear that God was working in ways they couldn't see. And, uh, and that's the line I know the Holy Spirit gave me. He works in ways we cannot see. He'll make a way for me. And that line is filled with hope. Right. And that's why uh, I never wanted to write a book. I've had opportunities, and I just, it's like, I don't want to be another artist that writes a book about being an artist and all this stuff. Uh, and I'll, I'll write a book when I have something to say. But I've realized that night after night when I'm singing and ministering, I kind of say the same things. I sing God Will Make a Way. And while it was written in a desperate situation, it's a song of declaration, not desperation. God will make a way. And it brings hope to people all over the world. And so I thought maybe it's time to say something. And I, I think the thing that drove me to put this into a book is I, I want to write down some of the things I'm saying every single night. And honestly, you can boil it down to one word, hope. Mm. Because if people... When they go through a difficult situation, if you just say, have faith, brother, have faith, sister, uh, it's hard to have faith when you've lost hope. But so hope is so important because hope, I think, is the engine that drives faith. It's, mm -hmm. it's the starting point. It's what gets you going to believe that in spite of all the hopelessness you see around you, which can come from a doctor's report, divorce, the loss of a job, the death of a loved one, all these things can leave you feeling hopeless. In spite of all those things, if you can just believe that God is working in ways that you cannot see, mm. that 
you can grab a hold of that and say, okay, I'll live one more day. I'm not going to take my life today. And I've had people say they were going to take their life. They thought, maybe, maybe there's a chance that God is going to make a way for me. And it gives them hope to last one more day. And that day leads to another day. And that day leads to another day. And then eventually faith starts to come. But uh, hope is so important. And that's why I decided to finally, I'm going to put these thoughts down into a book because it's probably the most important thing that I can share with people today. And I think, just watch the news for a while. Yeah. If you want to start feeling hopeless, take uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week watching news. If you want to start feeling hopeless. And I've just started turning off the news and just praying. Lord, where does my hope come from? Not from these reporters, not from a 401k, not from my employer. My hope comes from God. And that's what I wanted to try to convey. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, He will make a way, He will make a way. God is the only person who is not going to disappoint you. Um, I heard something the other day, somebody said to me, Don, do you think God, if God was a banker, that he'd be a good banker? I said, yeah, because I was, I was thinking I want to be significant, but there's younger, cooler, hipper, trendier things going on out there right now. What what can I do? And that's when he said, do you think God would be a good banker if he was a banker? Yep. Would he make a bad investment? I said, no. He said, well, he invested in you. He invested in you because he saw something that was going to bring him a great return. Think about that. Think of all the investment God has made in our lives. He wouldn't make a bad investment. He invested in us because he knew we were a good place to put his energy and his investment because he's going to get a return on his investment. So when people start thinking, I don't have anything to offer anymore, I preach that same sermon to them. Do you think if God was a banker, he'd be a good banker? Yes. Would he make good investments? Yes. Well, he made a big investment in you, and he's expecting a return. So let's get on with it. Yeah, so So good. good. So good. That's awesome. All right. Well, we want to know, what is your hope for this book? When someone reads this book, what are you hopeful they get down and say, boom, this is what I learned? Um, One word, hope. I want this to be a book that somebody reads because we've all received, you know, somebody sends us a book when we're going through a difficult time. You've got to read this book. And a lot of times it just is what I needed to hear in that moment. And I hope that this book will do the same thing. When someone is going through a difficult situation, I want them to, to think about that. God will make a way. Uh, and it starts, the whole first chapter is, is the story of um, how my, we lost our little nephew. And Laura and I talk about not being able to have children for 12 years, how that was uh, something we had to walk through. 
but how God made a way for us there, how God made a way all these years when I was traveling around the world. And I'm hoping that with some of these stories, people will read those and say, if God did it for Don, he'll do it for us. So uh, one word, simply uh, hope. I want the book to bring hope to people. close out the show by asking three questions. Are you, <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> okay. Um, they are, what's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit or a discipline that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So we'll start with the book. What's a book that's changed your life? Oh gosh. There's so many funny. I was just, uh, the book that Bruce Wilkinson wrote uh, called you were born for this. Mm-hmm. Bruce wrote the prayer of Jabez, but this, on this book, you were born for this. In fact, I was just talking to somebody about it. Oh, that's funny. You have it. Yeah. <laughs> I love but, him. Yeah. But I like, you know why I like that book so much? Because he talks about, see, I want to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I mean, the, the whole book isn't just about that, but there's a section in it. I mean, the book is really about God using us to, to be a miracle in somebody else's life. Uh, but in the, in the book, he talks about the Holy Spirit nudge. Right. How do you hear the voice of the, how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you or is it the pizza you had last night? Yeah. And I really want to, I want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he, and he gives some practical advice. Like you're standing in a, in the line, getting your coffee at Starbucks and out of the blue, another thought comes completely opposite of what you were just doing is those are the nudges that I pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's funny that I was just this morning talking to somebody. Um, there was a pastor in the uh, lobby of the Vanderbilt hospital in Nashville. He was saying, you know, I like to sit here and look at people and pray and ask the Holy spirit who I'm supposed to pray for. You know, and that, so I started talking to him about the Holy Spirit nudge. So that's just, I, and I love talking to Bruce about that book. I, I, it just impacted me. And, uh, and so, great one. Yeah. and I love the Louis L'Amour Western I'm reading right now, that part where they were <laughs> frying bacon and drinking coffee. I love that part. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and sitting on the front porch, watching the sunset. Yeah. yeah. They're clearly yeah. in their, their 90 right. or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I read some, in fact, I love to read those old Louis Lamar Westerns because my life is so crazy and busy and there's something really peaceful and soothing about reading a simple story of cowboys and they fry up bacon and they're drinking a cup of coffee 
And it's like, I'm a simple man. I love these simple stories. And, and that's one of the reasons I've never written a book. It's like, I don't want to write this big theological book that nobody can understand. I said, I'm a simple man. I like a good story. And so that's what we've done in this book. There's a bunch of stories. Oh, so, I love anyway. that. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. All right. So the second question, what is a discipline or habit that has changed your life? Oh, wow. A discipline or a habit that has changed my life. Boy, oh boy. (laughs) Understanding that I can only be Don Moen. This is a life changer to me because as I began to, because of my songs, because of uh, the releases of my albums, I started becoming this artist that people wanted me to appear on a stage. And I was so intimidated and I would look at the other artists and I say, oh my gosh, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. I know why you're here, but why am I here? And I'd get on a stage in those early years and I'd hear in one, one of my ears, Don Moen is not enough. You better dial it up. Mm. Uh, become hipper, become cooler. And then in the other ear, I, I would hear this voice saying, just be Don Moen. Mm. And that's the Holy Spirit. And I, I think one of the most important things that I've learned, and I still to this day do it, because I'm on a stage with a lot of uh, well-known people, and it's so easy for me to be intimidated, and yet I still hear that voice saying, just be Don Moen. Mm-hmm. Just be Don Moen. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the most important things I've learned, and I share it with worship leaders and pastors all the time. In this day, uh, with the technology we have, you can look at Facebook, you can look at uh, Internet, and you can see all this fabulous stuff going on. And you think, oh, gosh, I'm just not cool enough. I'm not good enough. And yet God will never anoint who you want to be. He anoints who you are. Mm, that's he so starts good. there. So I say, I say to these young pastors and worship leaders, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is taken. <laughs> just be yourself. And if you can grab a hold of that, when you get in front of people next Sunday morning at your church or get in front of a group to speak or get with your friends, stop trying to be anybody that's cooler than you are. Just be who you are. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, you'll feel a cloak of authority being put around you by the Holy Spirit saying, now you've got it. Now I can use you because you're content to be who I've made you. Stop trying to be somebody else. That's so good. I love that. I love it. I love it. God God will never anoint who you want to be. He anoints who you are. That's where it starts. That's so good. We're going to put that on the wall. I receive that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's going on the wall right now. Okay, and the last one is, what advice would you give to the younger you? To the younger me? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, be intentional. I've learned over the years that that's really important in marriage, in relationships. Uh, having five kids like you guys have, people ask me what is the key to being having a good marriage and the words, uh, be intentional. I, I would have liked to have known that in my younger years. Be intentional about everything you do, whether it's uh, in your writing or your relationships, uh, your marriage. It's not just going to happen by itself. You have to be intentional. Yeah. If you want to be a good father, a good mother, you have to be intentional. You know, these things don't just happen. 
So uh, that's, I guess, what I'd say. If, if I was talking to Don Moen at 20 years old, I'd say, hey, son, be intentional. That's so good. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Well, this book is out. Where can people find it and get it and follow you and all that information? Yep. You can go, of course, to my website, donmoen.com. All of it will be there. But any place that books are sold, uh, you know, you can order the book. And we have an audio book as okay. well. Great. So I did I did the audio. Oh, fun. And, yeah, that was a humbling experience, too. <laughs> Stumbling over, uh, over a dumb word. You know, it's like, how many takes do I have to do of this sentence before I... You're reading it out loud. Go, what is this guy talking about? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, but the, I th- it's. I wanted to read it because it's Don Moen, and we just talked about being yourself. I, mm-hmm. I could have gotten a really good reader to read it, but it's like this is me. Yeah. This is my life, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just think it's back to that word authenticity again, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Don, thank you so much for your time today and for your life and the stories that you shared and just the way you're living it out. And I love that for you, uh, you're still going and you got, you got vision and you got hope and you're running into the future and that inspires me and I know it inspires us. So, uh, thank you for being you. you. Yeah. My pleasure. God bless you guys. Thank you. Oh guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. Seriously. Can't stop thinking about Mm -hmm. it. I love what he shared about this song not being a song of desperation, but it's a declaration. God will make a way. Mm -hmm. God will make a way. He's working even when I cannot see. Even when I don't see Him working, I trust that He's working. It's a declaration. God will make a way. I love that. And so take that to heart. If we don't know where you are in your walk, in your life, and what's happening, just know that. Hold tight to that. That God will make a way for you. When there seems to be no way, but you got to cling to that, you got to believe that, and know that he is absolutely and totally for you. Guys, make sure you go and check out Don's book and all of his resources and music. We'll have all the links for that on our show notes at our website, as always, letsliveitwell.com. And if you're still singing the song <laughs> like we are, we're going to oh, yeah. make this thing available for you. Yeah. We'll put the entire acoustic version of God Will Make a Way by our friend Austin Benjamin available as episode 40 so you can enjoy that and you can just soak it in or sing along or just let him sing it over you and just receive that promise that god is making a way so guys such a special episode we're so excited to be here all the way to episode 39 and 40 (laughs) so cool thanks for being on the ride with us y'all it really is awesome to have you with us so let's close this thing out like we do every single time remember You only get one life. Live it well.
way Where it seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see He will make a way for me He will be my guide Hold me closely to His side With love and strength for each new day strength for each new day